going back to the thing about trauma, trauma is stored in the body. And so just mm. because you're not saying anything, just because you're not talking about anything, doesn't mean that the trauma has gone away. <clears throat> because it is stored. It's a good point. It's a good it point. is definitely stored in the body. And so, um, you know, that can take away your life longevity. I know that that's not like a super exciting thing to talk about. But it's but true. It can. <clears throat> you know, you're, um, it, it takes away from your cells' ability to reproduce. And without that, like, you die. <laughs> so it, it matters. It really, mm -hmm. it really does matter. And all that anxiety, you know, there's a direct correlation between like stress and your immune system. This episode is brought to you by Virtual Visions Event Services. Virtual Visions are event producers who help clients take their virtual events to the next level by creating an engaging experience. I've enjoyed using their services because of the ease. They take everything on the back end from technicalities to engagement and they take care of it. I booked them for a virtual holiday party with my family and they handled everything. The only thing I had to worry about was being present. Book them for your next virtual event at www.vves.org. This episode is brought to you by Coach Fee of Fab Life Coaching, where her purpose in life is to help you discover yours. Contributing author of When I Was a Child, Coach Fee's passion is helping other women discover their purpose and become aware of their identity. She dedicates herself to helping you realize the potential that lies within you. To book a call, text 210-460-3075 or shoot her a DM on Instagram at I am Felicia Hudson. Welcome back to another episode of Unsolicited with your favorite host, Taylor, where you didn't ask for my two cents, but you're going to get it anyway. So I have a very special, amazing guest today, and I'm actually really excited because she's the first person of her profession that I'm having on the show. I'm so excited. Hi, Aaliyah. Hello, Taylor. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing pretty well. You you know what? I feel like people ask that question and people are just so used to saying, I'm well, I'm good. How are you really? How are you doing? What's been honestly, going on in life? <laughs> honestly, I'm doing actually really well. I sang today um, and that went well at church today. So All right now, praise um, him. <laughs> and, you know, today is, I had a actually really chill weekend. Last mm -hmm. weekend, my weekend was so busy and I was like, ooh. Not this weekend. We needed like a real chill weekend. So mm -hmm. I relaxed. I got to stay in the house a lot. I did actually go to a concert on Friday and that was fun. So Whose concert? Tiana Taylor. She was in town. I like TT. <laughs> yeah, it was her farewell tour. So I'm glad I got to see that. That was my first and last time that I was here. It was her farewell tour. Aww. So, so she's done making music. Yeah, from what I read, she pretty much was saying that one, she doesn't really like how the music industry operates, how the business mm -hmm. aspect of things go, and that it's just more stress. And then I think also, you know, now she has a family, so I think she wants to kind of prioritize them over, mm -hmm. you know, um, making music. And I totally respect it. I'm not in the music industry, but I've heard that things can be a little difficult. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I'm definitely happy for her. And from what I can tell and what I can see, I don't think she's going to be missing any coins. So I think okay. Hello. Her and her man. Right. Both bringing in a bag. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, Aaliyah, we're going to jump right into it. So okay. 
you are, if you don't mind me, do you mind if I put your age out there? If you, if you don't want to, you that that is, doesn't phase me. I look good for my age. I'm I, for my age. Hey, so I know that's right. Put it out there. <laughs> Twenty six year old therapist. Um, why a therapist? Why, why therapy? That is a good question. So, um, my whole life, like ever since I was a kid, like I've always had like a, you know, why? Like, why do they do this? Why did they respond this way? Or this doesn't make sense. Like, why, why, why? And so as I got older, kind of studying human behavior was like always a natural, like I always had a, nat a natural inclination for that. And so originally, you know, I was actually going, I was going to go into medicine. I wanted to be a physician assistant, mm. but my, between my junior year and my senior year of undergrad, Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like there was a pulling, like, I felt like God was leading me a different direction. Mm -hmm. And so I, I've always like had a passion for people. I've always had a passion for, you know, like healthy relationships, wanting people to, uh, and not just romantic ones. Right. Mm -hmm. But like just in general, generally speaking, so like friendships and just any type of relationship in general. And so as I kind of prayed and like fast, I actually didn't end up fasting because I was like, Lord, like what's going on? Yeah. But I felt like God was leading me in a different direction away from like actual medicine and towards mm -hmm. mental health. And so when I really think about it, I felt like the seeds were planted all along when I really kind of like look back at it. Wow. Because that was something that I was always like interested in. I was always passionate about just observing people, you know, help. I, I've always been very empathetic. So I could always like put myself in other people's situations, understand, even if I didn't agree with their behavior, I could understand why right. they did what they did. Right. And so I've always been very discerning. So being able to kind of pick up on things, pick up on, you know, people, I'm people's energy, right? Everybody says that. But be able it's to a, pick it's up it's on, like, real thing, though. like, the nuances of people, mm -hmm. like, just kind of feeling things without really things needing to be said necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, just being very intuitive. Mm -hmm. And so, again, that's what I mean by like when I really looked back at it, like all the all the steps and all the seeds were kind of like it made sense when I really thought right. about it in retrospect. But just really like wanting to be able to use the gifts and talents that God has given right. me. And I felt like it just made sense. You know, like I said, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm very intuitive. I'm very empathetic. I'm very um, it's easy for me to sit with difficult emotions. So when people are crying, mm. I don't feel uncomfortable. When people are, you know, you know, dealing with hard things, like mm -hmm. my natural inclination is to want to support them, wanting to give mm -hmm. them a listening ear, wanting to be there for them, wanting mm -hmm. to be present. Um, and of course, as I've gotten older, I've learned how to balance that. But mm -hmm. it just, it just has made sense. And so I feel like part of my um, you know, purpose in life is to help people to have healthy relationships is for mm -hmm. me to authentically live my life in a way that right. encourages other people to do the same. And so I think that that has just kind of, in a, you know, I guess kind of like a nutshell been like my, mm -hmm. um, I guess like my motivation or my reason. Um, also, I kind of see, I kind of see um, like relationships as like, little micro units of society and so if you can help people to have can you break that down for me what you mean okay so if you think about it like the world is made up of all the of a lot of people mm -hmm. and people come from families and mm -hmm. so if you break you know break 
you know, society down, break families down, or I guess it's, it's people, then it's communities, then it's like, you know, neighborhoods and it's families and then it's individual people. So if you can help on those minute levels to help people to have healthy relationships, then it's, it has exponential effects like long-term. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's kind of how I see, you know, like my ability to help people and to be mm -hmm. able to give to the world is to help people right. to, you know, again, have, live authentic lives and to, um, to kind of just be in, in touch with themselves, be in mm -hmm. tune to what it is, who they are, what it is that they want. And so that's just kind of a little bit of my. I love that. Micro units. Cause yeah. I think just as humans, we crave, we crave connection. Yeah. Like, I believe that's how God created us to connect with people, to connect with each other. So that's important. And you're more specifically a marriage and family therapist. Mm -hmm. So what exactly made you go that route? And I ask because I know this guy who went into medicine and nursing because his grandmother was actually diagnosed with some like incurable disease. Mm -hmm. And he felt almost like that was like his duty. Like he wanted to get involved in medicine and nursing because he felt like this was his way of helping the world or helping yeah. his grandmother. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like what pulled you specifically in the family? And you were, you also work with abuse victims, right? Yeah. So um, currently at my, at my current job, I work with survivors of domestic violence. Um, but what made me specifically want to go, you know, the family and couples route mm -hmm. is because I, I guess kind of like going back to that original, like the micro unit, I see, you know, like a couple is kind of like a micro unit of a family. And so if right. you can help them to have a healthy relationship, then that, you know, ideally their children will see that they will model mm -hmm. that same behavior and then it has ripple effects into society. Mm -hmm. Same thing with families, you know, families are a part of communities, they're a part of different cultures, they're a part of, you know, neighborhoods, a part of different greater systems, right? And so if right. you can help those families to have a cohesive relationship, if you can help them to communicate effectively, if you can help them to, you know, have a healthy level of intimacy, then mm -hmm. that will have a ripple effect. Like they'll, like they'll take that and then they'll reproduce it, whether that be with their own family or whether that be with their friendships, whether that be at their jobs, you know, in whatever capacity, whatever systems they're a part of, they will then repeat the same behavior mm -hmm. like across the board. Mm -hmm. And so to me that it matters, right? Because so much of the interactions that we have with other people stems from those relationships, stems from maybe the way that you were taught in your family or the way that yeah. you had breakdown in your family that's or maybe right. you had dysfunction in your family. So in my in my mind, right, that's kind of my way of getting to the root of the issue is being able to help families and help couples address those issues so that way they mm -hmm. can model behavior that, again, will have a ripple effect like long term. Wow. And how hard is it? And I actually seen a piece of content you made. You were talking about how, I guess you've been asked before, like, how do you necessarily give couples therapy if you're a single woman? Or how do you necessarily, like, give therapy to people who are married and say you've never been married? How do you and, and if you don't mind me asking, have you ever been in an abusive relationship, whether that be like emotionally, physically, you've experienced that? 
No, I, I was just, I was, just, oh. I guess, agreeing to your, like, your question. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, I love that question. I love it so much um, because it makes sense that people would think, oh, well, mm -hmm. what does she know about this? You know, she's never been in that, you know, it, but I, I heard this in grad school and it stayed with me since then. Mm -hmm. But I can work with couples and families the same way that a, a physician who's never had your illness can still cure you. Mm. It's the same, it's the same thing. So a physician doesn't have to have physically had the same yeah. illness as you to be able to treat you. And that's because in the same way, I don't have to have been in a marriage or I don't have to have a family, I don't have to have kids mm -hmm. to be able to work with people who have because we're actually trained. Like there's re there's what's called empirical research right. to support the different models that we use with clients, the different theories that we use with clients. You know, all of that is there's there's scientific re, um research that backs that up mm -hmm. i have credentials i have education and so we're actually trained and so one of the most i would say most misconceptions about therapy is that we give mm -hmm. advice we do not give advice it's unethical for us to give advice wow what we do is however we we figure out what your goals are and from there we help you to achieve your goals based on the education the training that we have so let's say it's a couple and their goal is to have a greater amount of intimacy so from there i access the knowledge that i've been that i've been taught to be able to help them do that so mm -hmm. it's not based on my own experience and as a matter of fact it's actually more beneficial that way because one i'm able to at least for me the fact mm -hmm. that i haven't experienced that it allows me to be more present with the client what do i mean by that so i because i have more of a blank slate i've never been married right. i go into that situation listening more intently about what the client is telling me as ah. opposed to having my own biases mm -hmm. influencing what the client is saying so it's, it's kind of a twofold if you have experienced mm -hmm. it it can definitely be beneficial but you have to be careful to not over identify with the client and what do right. I mean by that so if you're married and let's say you know you're working with a, a couple maybe you've been cheated on before mm -hmm. so now you might go into the, the session with the client whenever the husband may be talking you're like no you you may have these biases against this person because of your own previous experience mm -hmm. and so it can definitely be beneficial to maybe be in the same stage of life but you also have to be mindful to again not over identify with the client because that mm -hmm. can also be a hindrance and so for me because i haven't experienced being married like i said it allows me to be with the client and to listen more intently and mm -hmm. to be present with them so that way the only information that i'm taking in is what the client is saying not additional pieces of information that are based on my experiences as opposed to maybe being different than what the client is mm -hmm. actually giving to me and so again like one of the theories that i use with couples is called emotionally focused therapy it was created by sue johnson she is a pioneer in the field she created the model and so that's something what's it called I, it's called emotionally focused therapy wow okay right so that's that's that that's a training mm -hmm. like mindset I, I say theory that's what we talk we call it in the field but essentially it's kind of like a it's like the hat that I put on and I mm -hmm. think through that lens when I'm working with clients. Mm -hmm. That particular model, the focus is to access primary emotions and to get clients to have a new experience with their partner that allows them to communicate that and for mm -hmm. their need to be met. So hopefully I'm breaking it down simple enough for you, you are. to understand. But um, 
So again, that's that's a model of therapy that I use. Mm-hmm. I went to school, I learned that. So I've seen it work with couples, I've used it with couples. And so that's like my, I guess, knowledge, if you will, that I have that I have learned and I've gained. Right. And so now I'll bring that into the client room mm-hmm. and address the client through that mm-hmm. lens. So again, I'm not, not granted, I'm human, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it's not to say that, you know, I'm totally a super blank slate and I don't bring anything into the room. That's not the case because I have had life experiences that may impact, you know, how I see things. But it's important that those things don't get in the way of me being able to be present with the client and to listen, actively listen to what they're saying. And so that's an example of how Mm -hmm. I've never been married before. I don't have children. But because of that education and that training, I'm able to bring that into the room. And Mm -hmm. additionally, I have the Holy Spirit. So the Come Holy on. Spirit is all knowing. So even mm-hmm. if there may be things that I don't fully understand, I'm able to access that and I'm able to discern things that mm-hmm. the client may have not told me. I, I remember working with the client one time and they didn't outrightly tell me that there was infidelity going on, but I discerned it. And so I brought it up in the session with the client. And as a matter of fact, it turned out that there had been infidelity in the relationship. So that's wow. an example of how like, I don't, I don't know everything. I'm still very, mm-hmm. you know, new in the profession, but I do have a master's degree. I do have a license. That's and right. Let those speak. credentials speak for you and that experience and that knowledge. Right. Yeah. So, and humbly, of course, you know, but right, like, of course, all of yeah. those things, you know, and I really do believe that I have a calling for this. I feel like it takes a special kind of person to be able to do the things that, you know, is required, but all of those wow. things put together. You hit the nail on the head right there. I just want to rewind to that part where you was like, <laughs> I really feel like it takes a special kind of person because I'm all, I was just telling my friend that uh, even before you and I had talked about you coming on and everything, I was telling her, I was like, I don't see, because I'm somebody, I believe in checking the temperature with your friends before you just decide to dump your traumas yeah, and your quarrels and everything. And I'm always wondering, I'm like, do therapists see therapists? Because- with me, I'm like, it takes a special kind of person to be almost like a, a dumpster for people's trauma dumps. You know what I'm saying? Like, that is a lot. And me personally, it's only so much I can take. Yeah. Like, people become very, very draining. They become very draining. And so I'm like, how do y'all cope with that? Like, the amount of dumping, I'm I'm sure it's like, how, how do you... How do you just handle all of that? Um, so one, I do have a clinical supervisor. She's someone that I see weekly. Um, and so, and I go to her to talk about either maybe difficulties I've had with the client or maybe things that have personally triggered me, um, you know, various different types of things. But there definitely are moments where, you know, I will, you know, talk to my supervisor about, well, this client made me mad or this this activated something in me, you know, and I wanted to discuss it. Or I wanted to bring it up. Mm-hmm. A prime example of that when I first got to the job, well, maybe not first got, maybe like four, five months into it. Um, I am single, so I'm not married. I'm not currently dating anyone. Mm-hmm. And so hearing some of the stories that I've heard with my DV clients, I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to be single forever. I was like, these when I hear trash, I cannot do it. This is whack. I'll be wow. on myself. Like, I'm over it. <laughs> and so, and she was like, well, you know, I understand how you feel, but let's kind of talk through this. She's like, right. you are working with the domestic violence population. So everybody that you see 
is having, you know, issues, but that's not representative of the whole world, right? That you work with a very True. small population. Right. And just because these people have experiences does not mean that you will experience that. And I actually haven't ever been in a domestic violence relationship. I've never been in an abusive relationship. My parents were not abusive to each other. I didn't grow up in that environment. Mm-hmm. So it is a possibility, right, that I can still have a healthy and a lasting relationship, right. even though all of my clients <laughs> have experienced abuse. And mm-hmm. so that's just an example of, you know, like I'm human, right? So I mm-hmm. hear these things, I, I leave space, I, I make space, I hold space for clients who have dealt with some very, very difficult things. Um, and so as a way of me, my natural tendency is to internalize a lot of things. And so mm-hmm. that's why it's important for me to meet with my supervisor that way. You know, I can express some of the things that I may be carrying and that may be difficult for me. And plus, it's just important for me to have a balance. Right. I'm really good about boundaries when it comes to work. So I do have um, like teams on my on my phone, but that's only because sometimes the laptops that we have do not act right. Mm-hmm. And I still want to be able to get to my job and do my assignments and stuff. So I have it on my phone, but I have a very, like, pretty much do not disturb for teams. Like, at a certain mm-hmm. time, I won't get notifications. I don't check it. I don't check my email. Like, you got to turn it off. Right. It'll be there tomorrow. Like, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll be all right. Like, it's going to be okay. Um, And so, like, that's really important to me. And on the weekends, mm-hmm. I have fun. I have a good time. I spend time with my friends, my family, my line sisters. Or Sounds like you myself. have a good balance. Right. Like, that's really important to me is to have a good balance, to, you know, incorporate that. Like, mm-hmm. my weekends, I have fun or I relax or I do what I want to do. And it works out for me. I don't I don't have a difficult time um, sort of, you know, balancing that. But I think that's taking time. Right. So one of the things that has that has also helped me with this is, just remembering that, like, yes, I'm here to help clients, but there's only one savior. His name is Jesus Christ. Like, I mm-hmm. cannot I cannot do it all. And just mm-hmm. because just because I'm unable to help a client does not mean that them being in their situation is my fault. Mm-hmm. Now, that can sound really harsh, but it's the truth. Like, it's so unfortunate. I can do the best that I can do. But just because, again, just because I may not be able to address a client situation, or I may not be able to help them does not make them being in their situation my fault. Right. That, you know, that's unfortunate. I, I will do all that I can do. But again, me not being able to, you know, find a resource for them or me not mm-hmm. being able to make that call or me not being able to, you know, schedule them into my appointment at the last minute. That is not my fault. I'm only one person. I cannot mm-hmm. do it all. And so um, I feel like that's really been helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, you know, it takes a lot of like, I guess, inner work to be able to mm-hmm. reach that point where you kind of are, are learning those boundaries and learning. But I, I guess I'm also in a place in general where I'm learning more boundaries in general and right. being assertive and saying, this isn't okay. This is not okay. Like, I apologize. However, I cannot do this. Like, I hear what you're saying. And I'm going to be unable to meet this request. Like, mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely been a journey for me to kind of be more assertive. I'm mm-hmm. still learning that. But um, so, yeah. You sound that. like you sound like you are very one. Very, You sound very compassionate with yourself. Like you understand, hey, I'm new to this profession. And so you give yourself grace. It's like, I don't know everything. I'm still learning. But I can give you all that I can give you. 
Here's what I can give you at the time. Here's what I have. And I, I really like that. And you also sound, you also seem like a very self-aware person. Yeah. Were you always I, like this? Yeah, I, I would say. I've That's impressive. Very, <laughs> I've impressive. always been very self-aware. But I think that, again, back to those seeds, I think mm-hmm. that has been one of the things like that gives me confirmation that I'm in the right place. Because if I'm not self-aware, like it's going to limit my ability to be effective with clients. Because if, mm-hmm. if I am not aware of my own motives, my own intentions, my own desires, my own feelings, then how can I help somebody to access theirs? Yeah. So that's very true. And I will say that I feel like that talk about that calling thing. Like I feel like God is What's the word? Like I, I feel like I guess that calling definitely comes with the cost. And I feel you like said that. things. You did tell me that. You said callings don't come without sacrifice. Yeah. They I'm happy you brought that up because I definitely was gonna ask you about that. So it sounds like yeah. you've had to make some sacrifices if you yeah. don't mind sharing. Yeah. Um just I guess as far as like like I I feel like God has um what's the word? I feel like God has like called me out in some instances where other people, mm-hmm. it's like they're able to stay in dysfunction or they're able to remain oblivious. They're able to remain mm-hmm. not having yeah. accountability for their actions. Yep. And God is like, okay, that's, that's, that's for them. But for you, I need you to do this. Come on. I need you to do this. I need you to have this conversation. I need you that I think for me, like, God has really been working with me and being more assertive, but I think that's because it's it's required for me to help with clients. Like me, mm. my ability to be assertive is directly correlated to my ability to be effective as a therapist. Because there are times when clients need to be called out on things that are not right, or they need to right. have accountability for their actions. And so, again, I can't give what I don't have. And right. so, um, definitely, like year twenty five. Year 25 was such an emotional year for me. It was a lot of grieving involved Mm. because God was like forcing me to have certain conversations, forcing Mm. me to cut certain. And I I use this, I say this very lightly because I feel like this becomes a trend. Like, oh, I'm just going to cut people off and da 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 da. But I feel like God was really intentional about helping me to prioritize relationships that were not only one-sided and to Mm. either have accountability or like have communication with people where relationships were not. Um, we're not two-sided and, mm-hmm. you know, if necessary, go ahead and let that go and grieve like the separation of that. It is the grieving process. Um, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think we talk a lot about, you know, like, well, you need to do what's best for you and da 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 But that oftentimes, like, we expect that if we communicate and we say things that people are going to mm-hmm. just... But sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes that means that yeah. the relationship is over. And that means that you are grieving that. You know, certain dating relationships I wanted to work out. And it just didn't. And mm. when I would call them out, you know, say certain things, they did what they wanted to do. And eventually that, that yeah. had to be cut. And so there, and of course, you know, ultimately it's for my benefit. But in the moment, like that, like that sucks. That hurts. I don't like it. Um, and so having to have those conversations, even, even with my parents, like I've had to communicate certain things and, you know, be like, you know, this really hurt my feelings. Like those I hard conversations. Exactly. Like, 
growing up, I was very like anti-confrontation. Like I just wouldn't say anything. I would keep to myself. I trying to keep the peace. Right. But God is like, no, like time Mm -hmm. off for that. Like you gotta, and that was difficult. Like that Mm -hmm. gave me anxiety to have those conversations. It gave me anxiety to, you know, Mm -hmm. even in my job, like having to talk to my boss, be like, this is not okay. Like, this is not cool. Mm -hmm. Like this makes me frustrated. I feel like you're not like, God was like, okay, time, like it's the time is now right. to, and I'm, it just was very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable to, you know, because just, I guess we're going to be real, right? Like growing up, I had a, a great fear of abandonment. So mm. me, my ability to be com- confrontational was like juxtaposed to that. So the reason why it was difficult for me to be confrontational was because I feared being, being abandoned. Yeah. People and would so, reject you. Exactly. So navigating that fear, navigating, okay, well, if I do say this, then what will that mean? Or maybe this may not go how I want it to go. So then will I be okay with this ending? Or will I be okay with, with taking this sacrifice? Or will I be okay with this relationship being no longer? And that was difficult. That was very difficult for me to navigate. Some instances, mm. I was able to have those conversations and things were able to be amended. Other con- other relationships, I have those conversations and the relationship doesn't exist anymore. So it's, it's it was a lot. Like, it was definitely a lot. So when I mean that callings don't come without a cost, like there is Man, there that's are so things powerful. that are necessary for you in order to get into that position and, and for you to really be able to ma- to operate at your maximum capacity. And so that's just one example of, you know, um, feeling like, you know, this, yes, I have this self-awareness. Yes, I have. I'm gaining these skills, but it doesn't come without a cost. You just explained that so beautifully. Thank no, you. Like you really did like healthy communication and I'm literally like while you were talking about that just now I'm like dang if that wasn't me because I've always been and isn't I isn't it ironic that I have a podcast now like growing up I never I was always afraid to speak out I was always afraid that if I said something somebody would be mad at me oh I don't want them to be mad at me you know so I'll just be quiet to keep the peace I don't you know I feel like everybody kind of at one point or some point in time deals with that fear of rejection i had a fear of rejection even still to this day it's not as bad as it used to be right but if we're just yeah if we keeping it a thou out like that even just like with social media and stuff it are is some subjects i just shy away from but i have gotten better at having difficult conversations because you do have to have that's part of having boundaries too like boundaries are like boundaries are self-care that's a form of self-care you have to have and, and i was in a situation that was very toxic, I'll say. And I just, that fear of rejection and abandonment, like you were talking about, like you would rather put up with someone's mistreatment just because you feel like you don't want this person to abandon you. Like this is the best it gets. And we look at that stuff, you know, when when we're cutting people off in the cutoff culture, I feel like cutting off, it should be a last resort. And speaking of, Sidebar, um, if y'all do not know, Ms. Aaliyah had an excerpt from one of her blogs in uh, Essence, featured in Essence oh, Online. Oh, yeah. It was kind of like, a, um, so she kind of interviewed me. And so oh, part okay, of my, okay. like, I guess, 
the so she actually ended up sending me the questions and so mm. I responded and then yep. she wrote the article and included my I really don't like the word expert but I guess we'll just call it expertise in the article subject matter expert is that better <laughs> who I just that word gives me hey so walk much in it girl <laughs> but so uh, much pressure <laughs> it was really good but yeah I've um I, I kind of lost where I was going with that point, but communication is so important. Like that's become mm-hmm. so like, so critical to me these days. Like if I'm just not feeling something, I'm not going to be quiet about it. I'm going to speak up about it. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. clear communication, like that is the thing. It doesn't matter if it's friends. It doesn't matter if it's rom- whoever your partner is, relationship, healthy communication. Absolutely. What does that look like to you? What What is healthy communication to you between two people? Um, so I, I really like this question. <laughs> so I, I made like some content about this actually. Mm-hmm. But um, so to me, healthy communication, um, whenever you are communicating with someone about anything or you're, you know, maybe you have a frustration about something. I think there are three major parts to communication. So one is being able to communicate what, is the issue or what is it that you have a problem with and so being able to be very objective about that um and what do i mean by that so this is kind of the example that i always mm-hmm. give but let's say you know this is a dating relationship and you have an issue with with your partner being on their phone while you're at dinner time mm-hmm. so being able to communicate you know when you are on your phone while we're at dinner like that bothered me letting them know too why does that bother you? So what is the issue? What is it that you perceive them doing? What is it that maybe your emotions that you feel when they do that? What is it the thoughts that you think about whenever they're doing that? And then three, being able to ask for the, like, what is it that you want moving forward? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if it bothers you that your partner is on their phone, letting them know, hey, when you're on your phone, it makes me feel like you're not paying me attention. It makes me feel like I'm not important. Right. It makes me feel, um, and being able to own that, right? So right. not saying you made me feel, but saying I feel, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's a difference. Um, it, it makes the person less defensive when you own your own experience, when you own your thoughts, when you oh. own that, it makes me think that you don't care. It makes me feel Mm -hmm. whatever or you know it makes me feel like I'm not important or whatever the case Mm -hmm. is and then you know again being able to ask for what it is that you actually want so not saying you always do this because that's not effective that's not beneficial and again they're likely going to be defensive if you say that but being able to ask what is it that you want from them moving forward Mm -hmm. it's not helpful to just say what you don't want because then it still doesn't tell them what you do want right being able to be very specific about what you want and not just saying i want you to pay attention to me okay well that's relative so what does that actually mean it means that i don't want you to be on your phone that's an objective behavior that you can identify not again saying pay attention to me right Mm -hmm. that's that could that could be that you want them to give you a compliment that could be that you want them to get off their phone that could mean that you want to watch a movie with them it's very it's very open and ambiguous Mm -hmm. so being able to be specific about that is is going to be important and then, you know, just also just um, what was I going to say? Also having a proper environment to have this conversation, making like that's important too, right? You don't want to mm-hmm. embarrass the person because you want to do as much as you can to set the conversation up to be effective. If you're 
you know, um, maybe picking a time that's not the best or maybe where you're around other people, mm-hmm. that is going to cause them to be defensive. That's going to cause them to have a breakdown in their ability to hear you, to listen to you, to validate you. Um, and so, again, just kind of also being mindful of the person that you're communicating with, you know, measuring the temperature of where they are at the moment to figure out if that's going to be a a healthy and productive conversation. Mm -hmm. And also being able to communicate when you're not emotional about it, because when you're emotional, and I want to say like, emotional (laughs) doesn't just mean sad or crying. I feel like people think that emotional is when you're crying or when you're sad. You can also be emotional and be angry and be irrational you can also be emotional when we when i mean emotional i just mean in a place where you're not able to logically and i point to this part because your frontal cortex is responsible for your higher order logical Mm -hmm. and reasoning skills so when you're able to be logical rational understand when you're able to hear the other person and not just be in your feelings about your offense ready to jump down their neck and attack Cause it's like at that point, do you want to be right or do you want to actually get the issue addressed, mm-hmm. addressed or resolved? And so, being able to have the right perspective um, about it. So, really, just again, being able to, you know, be specific in what you're wanting, mm-hmm. and also the the part that's really important is communicate what you know, like like how does it impact you when whoever does whatever it is that they're doing. That part is is important too because. So, and this is why I don't like the whole cutoff cancel culture oh, is because yeah. just because something bothers you does not mean that it's going to bother someone else. And so it's not fair to them for you to assume that just because you're offended, they did it on purpose. And right. so making that connection between their behavior and how it impacts you is important because sometimes people really just don't know that because we all, we all have different wounds. We mm-hmm. all have different baggage. We all have different, you know, um, traumas and things. Right. And so what may bother or trigger you may not bother or trigger me. And so being able to make that connection is really, really important. Oh, and it's, and it's so hard, but that, that was so good because now that I look back, like that's something it's, 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 Lord, it's hard to die to self, you know, when somebody, you know, you trying to get your point across to somebody and y'all just not seeing eye to eye and it just starts to bother you. And so you just like, look, this is what it is. Right. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I've done that in the past. It's I've, but I will say the older and more self-aware that I've become, I'm learning to put myself aside and it's like, I even have to breathe. Like I do breathing exercises. I don't know if that's something that do you practice that? Do you do you do that too? I I I don't know. It it works for me. Like I have to I have to like step aside and take deep breaths and literally talk to myself because when I'm upset and I want to get my point across, like you were saying, it's like it may not be the perfect time then. And it's like when you're at that high emotional, like you just you just ready to attack, and it's it's hard to come down from that. But I've 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 gotten better breathing exercises helps for me and I have to go away and I have to like sit and like talk to myself mm-hmm. and I'll talk to God too. Definitely. I'm like, Lord. Lord. Definitely. And that's, so I guess like, you know, just so hopefully this is like, I can explain it simple since it mm-hmm. is kind of scientific nerdy ish, but whenever we, you know, we become triggered or we 
experience trauma, there's a part of your brain that's called the amygdala. It's, I would point to it, but my braids are kind of like in the way. But it's kind of like in the middle of your head. Right. And so that part, that organ in your body is like the whole purpose of it is to assess for danger. And so that mm. it assess for danger that's real and also perceived or not real. And so it doesn't know the difference between real danger or perceived danger. And so when we become emotional, we become triggered. That's that part of our brain that's like, okay, well, we need to figure out what to do. That's where those fight, flight, or freeze. Oh, yeah. Fight or flight. Yep. And so that's why it's important to give yourself space to calm down and to you know, get it a, a level pace because then that's when you're able to access that frontal mm -hmm. cortex. We are able to say, okay, calm down, Taylor, calm down, Aaliyah. Let's figure out what's going on. Did they intend to hurt me? Was it an accident? Was there a miscommunication? That's why that part is so important for you to take a moment to say, to remain calm mm -hmm. and to gather yourself because that amygdala part of your brain only knows this person is either emotionally trying to hurt me or they're physically trying to hurt me. It can't understand anything else. Mm -hmm. And so it's up to you to reconnect those parts of your brain and to allow the amygdala to quiet down so mm -hmm. your frontal cortex can be reactivated. And so like literally, that's why it's, I love talking about the importance of like, like our emotions are not just these random things that don't, really matter like there is right, literally a connection right. to your physical body like your hormones your it's called neurotransmitters that's like a fancy word of just saying the chemicals mm -hmm. in your brain like those are little like literal chemical reactions that are happening that cause you to feel certain emotions like it's mm -hmm. not um like your emotions are not made up like everybody right. experiences them like you experience them in your body and they impact your physical like your physicality it's not mm -hmm separate like your emotions and your physical bodies are intertwined and so being able to understand that can help mm -hmm. you one hopefully to help normalize you know like what you're actually experiencing that it's real right and to be able to help you navigate that you know mm -hmm. just to kind of put context around what you're experiencing so it's definitely important to take time to breathe and that's for you know either person whether um from Going back to the EFT that I talked mm -hmm. about earlier, Sue Johnson describes people as either being withdrawers or being pursuers. And mm. so if you're a pursuer, it's going to be important for you to self-soothe because your inclination is going to be to talk about it right now. And you're really upset. Yes. You're and that is not always what's beneficial. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, people that are withdrawers, they shut down. They can't function. They can't think straight. They feel attacked. They feel inadequate. That's likely the root. The root fear of someone that's a withdrawer is likely inadequacy. Of a pursuer, mm. the likely the root fear for them is abandonment. And so being able to like help wow. them both to calm down yep. and say the withdrawer, okay, I can have this conversation. I have the proper tools mm -hmm. to give you this, this person. They care about me. They just want to come to resolution. Then for the pursuer to say, okay, this person is not trying to leave me right now. They just feel overwhelmed and they can't handle the magnitude of this conversation. Mm -hmm. So both of them being able to self-soothe so that both of the, both people can come back and have a productive conversation. Dang, <laughs> you're dropping gems. Oh, this is so good. Mm -hmm. um, what would be your definition like? How would you best describe trauma because from what i'm learning right now trauma is an emotional response definitely 
what would you best describe trauma as being? This is so hard because the definition in the literature is so broad. Mm -hmm. But trauma, I would say, is any experience that you have that um, overwhelms your ability to your it overwhelms your natural resources and your natural ability to function or to handle the situation. And so that's that's like so vague. I realize it is, that. But it's um but it's so there are what's called big T's and then there's like mm-hmm. little T's. And mm-hmm. so that's why big T's are like sexual violence or physical abuse or um being robbed or things like that. Little traumas are you know, the stressors of life that you experience that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe getting into an argument or maybe, you know, um, just just kind of like smaller things that may not be on such a large magnitude as something, you know, that's violent or something that is, you know, like, again, like abuse or um Mm-hmm. like sexual violence or being robbed or things of that or even death in some capacities could be traumatic as well oh yeah and so um so again i it's it's a really broad definition but that's because it can encompass a lot of different things for mm-hmm. children you know their parents going through a divorce could be traumatic for them and so again what i mean by those resources it's when whatever um whether that be emotional, whether that be social, whether that be spiritual, you you lack the resources to be able to properly um, like assess and process through that experience. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it's so broad is because what may be traumatic for some, per- some person may not be traumatic to another. So right. it, there is a level of like subjectivity, but that's based on that person's individual resource capacity. And that's why there's like a threshold that it's, it just kind of depends, which is, I'm mm-hmm. not trying to avoid the question. It's just a bit. Mm-mm, no, you're good. Yeah. So hopefully that kind of makes a little bit of sense. It does. Um, and I was actually going to ask you, when do you recommend therapy for a person? Like, you know how I feel like there are people in the world that are more self-aware than the others, but it's just yeah. like, how do you know when it's like, fool, you need to go to therapy? <laughs> like, how do you, how do you know? Like, what's the difference from somebody that's like, okay you might be good for a couple more years without therapy versus somebody's like, no, you need to go check in ASAP. Gotcha. So, you know, honestly, I would say that if you are experiencing symptoms and what I mean by symptoms Mm -hmm. is, you know, if you are, if you're deviating from your like normal, um, then that could potentially mean that there's something that you need to process or talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, And really therapy is not necessarily just like a, Oh, something happened. Let's go. It can also be just like a maintenance, or it can mm-hmm. be like a like a checkup, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, just because the thing about therapy is, it gives you an unbiased person. Well, I say unbiased in quotes because we're human, so we all have biases that we naturally carry. Like, for example, like I'm a Christian, so that bring that whole worldview into the the the, cli- right. the clients. Even if clients have a different value system. So even if clients are atheist or they're Buddhist or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the case is, I still bring that bias, if you will, into the room. So it's 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 a, it's impossible to truly be bias free. But what I mean by that is it's somebody that's listening to you from an objective lens. So they don't mm-hmm. know you. They don't have a relationship with you outside of that therapy room, what you tell them. And so sometimes it can be beneficial just to have for you to get things out in a space that's 
that where someone doesn't know you, that they're just listening to you and they can see more vantage points of what you can see. Mm -hmm. So again, that, that could be an instance where, I mean, nothing necessarily bad happened to you, but you're just Mm -hmm. simply expressing, you know, just so that way you can see things from a more 360 perspective. Right. Right. So, but if something, if you're trying to figure out maybe, you know, you could, then again, back to the symptomology question, if you are deviating from your normal, if you're, you know, if you're, um, if there is something that's continuously coming up for you that you're not mm-hmm. able to either resolve, address, talk about, mm-hmm. that could potentially mean that you, it may be beneficial. You may be kind of getting at a stuff point. Um, from like a relational capacity, if you and your partner are not able to resolve issues on your own, if you are getting becoming violent, what well, that's called interpersonal violence, you know, your mm-hmm. things are kind of getting out of hand where maybe you were, again, you were able to resolve conflict, but now things are getting more escalated. You are starting to have more time apart um, than maybe you previously, that's not normal. Uh, what I mean by normal is that's not a part of your normal routine, whatever right. that looks like for the couple or for the family or whatever. Um, you know, if you are maybe starting to question about or like thinking about cheating, mm-hmm. then that could definitely be inclination that you probably need to go to see someone because if you're starting to drift away from your partner, then that means that there's some blockage there. Mm. Um, so definitely if there's for maybe a single person or somebody that's not in a relationship or who has internal, you know, again, are there symptoms? Are you withdrawing? Are you becoming more combative? Are you becoming, you know, more isolated? Are you mm-hmm. are becoming more irritable, more moody? Um, so again, if there's like things that are deviating from your, um, or it could also be that maybe people are telling you, you know, like you seem a little bit off or this is like negative yeah, yeah. Me, or this is, and you can't always take that at face value, which is why you kind of have to kind of, you know, assess it with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if people, if multiple people are telling you that, you know, Hey, you know, you're you're responding this way to me. Maybe this wasn't how you normally were. Or if there's becoming a consistent pattern, you know, of like aggressive behavior or combative behavior or isolation or things like that, then Mm -hmm. it could potentially mean that it may be beneficial for you to talk to someone. Wow. That's great. And I've been telling myself, I actually have a, I had a friend of mine send me a couple links because I'm actually going to go to therapy myself. And I love how you brought up earlier that you said you may not even have gone through anything traumatizing, but it's nice to process. Yeah. And I think with me, it's like, I'm, I'm such, I I love a good nonfiction book, you know, those self-help books and all that. And, um, I love to pray and things. I take my burdens to God, you know, I get before God on certain things but I feel like what we said earlier, I feel like God gifted people for therapy. It's like it's only so much you can get yourself trying to read through a book on how to help you or Googling, getting on TikTok, asking TikTok, how do you handle this? It's only so much. Go talk to somebody and process those things. Somebody who doesn't know you. I love having conversations with strangers. <laughs> you know, I love having conversations with people who don't know me, who don't who aren't biased don't know anything about me, don't know my friends, don't know what I've experienced and what I've gone through. So I'm definitely, uh, I'm actually, I plan on getting into therapy. 
I love that that's become like a thing, like a focal point of today. Everybody's in therapy, black people in therapy. Definitely. It's, it's so important. And I, I think that that's part of the reason, one of the reasons why I wanted to go into this field as well mm. is because I think culturally speaking, we have this, like, you know, what happens at the house stays at the house kind of mentality. Yes. But if things, things cannot get healed if they don't ever become uncovered. And so um, that's how people mm. stay in cycles of dysfunction or cycles of, that's you good. know, especially abuse, like that's, it's so, you know, that's, and of course, you know, there's a difference mm. between being vulnerable and transparent and you do want to be mindful of the people that you divulge your intimate secrets to. But, you know, there's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a reason why, you know, um, God created us to be in community. We're not supposed to, you know, do life on our own and right so it's it's important to have people that you can trust and that you can be honest with and that you can um oh yeah so Talk when about you it. are elevated like trauma is just a form of extreme stress mm -hmm. so when you're at extreme stress your body is not designed to be at that capacity for years at a time and so that impacts your ability to heal yourself that impacts your ability to be to, to recover from illnesses. Mm -hmm. It also makes you more susceptible to getting diabetes and chronic health conditions. So all of that matters. It, it matters. And being able to process through that, yep. like it, it trauma can also, um, so there's two different types of, of systems. There's mm -hmm. a parasympathetic and there's a sympathetic nervous system. So I get them confused sometimes, but one of the systems, Mm -hmm. I believe it's, I believe it's the, the sympathetic that responds to stress. Mm -hmm. um, and so when that's disrupted, it can, like, the other system shuts off. And so the main system is responsible for your natural bodily functions, your ability to breathe, your ability right. to, um, you know, healthy reproductive function, your ability to manage digestion. So if that default system is turned off and because of the extreme stress, it can impact your ability to digest your food. It can impact your ability to, again, heal, to respond to stress, to um, to function at a normal pace. Like that's why some people that have extreme stress, like they may have stomach issues, they may have headaches, they may have elevated blood pressure, mm -hmm. they may have um, migraines, they may have tension in their body, they may have, again, digestive issues. And that's because that those that extreme stress is causing the default system in your body to shut down. Wow. And if you're not, you're not, yeah. your body is not designed to be in that, that, that extreme stress state for long periods of time. That was a great explanation. I actually saw something related to that on TikTok yesterday where this girl, she went to go see, you know how they have uh, chiropractors? Yeah. But this guy specialized in like certain parts of your body where tension is stored, like trauma is stored and tension. And he mm -hmm. did something to her neck and it popped real bad. And the girl was laughing at first. Cause I guess it, it was like a like relief, but then she like broke down crying because she just felt like I'm like, man, I want to do that so much. You know, we feel like we feel like we're okay, but sometimes you know, just because you feel okay doesn't mean that yeah. you've healed that trauma. And it's like yeah. it, I, I felt the relief <laughs> yeah. through it. You know, I'm like, dang, that stuff is so real. I thank God for people like you, like 
seriously, girl, like, thank you just for your service to people. And you've taken on the response. Like, you, I'm sure it feels like a responsibility. Like, yeah. you really, and I, I can tell just through our conversation, like, you are extremely passionate about it. You know so much. You're very knowledgeable about what you do. Thank you. And so I can only imagine where you'll be, girl, in some months, next year, <laughs> in the next 10 years, yeah. you know? Well, I definitely, I definitely appreciate it. And it, um, it definitely is not easy. It's, it's many days. Oh, I'm sure. Um, it's many days. I, um, you talked about the essence feature that I had and that was part of my caption is like, there's many days where I'm like, Lord, like, are you sure? Like, Girl. I, am I like, I did I learn this correctly? Like, mm-hmm. Am I really making a difference? Like, does does this work even matter? Because people, you know, I just, I'm just like, Lord, like, am I wasting my time? <laughs> Absolutely but to not. really, to really be able to, like, things like this, like, this is what I'm super passionate. Like, I love being a clinician, mm-hmm. being able to share this information and share mm-hmm. this knowledge, especially being able to kind of like bridge mental health and spirituality. I was I like just so, about to say that. That's yes. so important to me. And it, it matters, right? And mm. you know, God is the creator of all knowledge. So it's it's not like they have to be separate. Like mm-hmm. they can definitely exist cohesively. And it's not um you know it's 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 definitely a thing and it's 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 important to me that we're able to especially as a black community that we're able to acknowledge that and we're able to right both parts because they're they're necessary. Right. And I yeah, I love that. You uh all your content's faith based with all the just the bull in the world, the BS and things that we hear. It's it's good to know that there are things and there are people who are still their main goal, you know, in life is to to lead you back to yeah. Because everything you're doing, you know, it's it's for a reason. It Not is. just out here for your health. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's all for a reason. You and you keep God first, and that's where you point people back to. You know, I can help you through this, but at the end of the day, it's all God. Yeah, and and I I enjoy being able to, you know, like some like like this for example, like this is a platform where I'm very open about okay, I'm a Christian, like this scripture, yada yada yada. But sometimes, you know. I'm not always in a forum where I'm able to do that, but I'm still yeah. able to bring the love of God. And I think that that really matters. I work, I work with clients that are part of the LGBTQ community. I work with clients that are, you know, atheist. One of my clients, my, my favorite clients, actually, she was atheist, but mm-hmm. she loved coming to me. Like she was so sad when we terminated, but it's mm-hmm. like, it's, it's not about me. It's not me. It's really the love of God. That That's right. I'm, bringing to the yep. you know when i show up in the room it's not just Aaliyah, it's holy spirit it's you know all of like the presence of god is also mm. with me as well and so i i don't take that for granted i don't take it lightly um and again i'm yes i've studied but what holy spirit is able to do like that's that's what i need that's what i depend on that's what i you know of course you know, like like i said i study i go to trainings i just was in a training yesterday actually mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like that plus the Holy Spirit is like, mm-hmm. it's unparalleled. It can't be, it's it's unmatched, really. So, And at the end of the day, to whom much is given, yeah, you know the rest. Much is required. That's right. <laughs> and, um, yeah, please keep doing what you're doing. I was not joking when I was like, yeah, keep writing those blogs. <laughs> 
Um, so I do want you to plug your your blog, your socials, and all that information. Where can people find you? How can they contact you? All that. Okay, so I do have a blog. Um, my blog website and my Instagram handle are pretty similar. I tried to keep them, you know, congruent so that would be easy to find me. So my blog is www.sophisticatedlyme.com. And then my Instagram is the same thing. So sophisticatedlyme. Um, you can also look up my, by my first and last name, Aliyah Mara. Um, you can just type that as well if you can't remember the sophisticatedly me part. And then if you would like to get in contact with me, you can either DM me on Instagram or my email address is aliyamara um, at gmail.com. So A-A-L-I-Y-A-H-M-A-U-R-A at gmail.com. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. This was so amazing. You're you're amazing, girl. <laughs> Shoot, what you waiting on to get you a little uh, podcast out here in these streets, Ooh. these mental health streets? <laughs> I'm trying to baby step. Part. Right. I got to Maybe one day. I, I do desire to do it one day, but I'm just like, who is so much on my plate already? I'm just like, let me just try to. You just try to be a good steward of what I, I already feel that. have. I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> I'm told well, you, I almost nixed that block. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm trying to be consistent with what I already have. On my there you go. Look, I don't mean to rush you into nothing, <laughs> but <laughs> thank you so much again for coming on and sharing your knowledge and sharing your expertise on mental thank health, Aaliyah. Thank you. The pleasure is definitely all mine. So thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. All right, y'all. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Unsolicited. Y'all be easy.